Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass from episode 228. Glad you could join us. We've got a pretty interesting list of topics here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and uh, as per classic Zell, um, food was delivered to my desk just as, as we started, so. <laughs> what are you eating? I have um, the uh, carbonara pasta and um, a pizza from Domino's. Is it in a Hungry bowl? <laughs> wait, wait, what was, those are two questions. I said, is it in a bread bowl? I did not do the bread bowl because you don't get the cute. That's not part of the deal. That's lame. You have to pay extra for that. You had a coupon, but you had to go for it. <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, my name's Jay. I'm also one of the co-hosts here, and uh, I do not have a uh, a large heaping bowl of gluten in front of me like Zell does. Uh, but yeah, I, I play a little bit of video games here and there, and then kind of opine uh, pseudo wisely on the show. That's about it. All right, and Libby. Uh, yes, I am Libby, and I have uh, keto-friendly water in front of me for the show. It's nice to be here. <laughs> and I'm Pokey, and I ate leftovers from my kids' mac and cheese dinner. So, you know, we're all eating real good tonight. Uh, so, good stuff this week. So, this is actually a, a, about a week old. Um, but apparently some details about The Continental, which is the John Wick-themed TV show, have come out. Um, they haven't done a solid release date, but they do say that it's going to be a prequel to the John Wick series, and it will likely be released after John Wick Volume 4, um, which I didn't know was going to be a thing, and apparently has a release date of May 21st, 2021, so that's already chugging along. I should go see the third volume first, though. I know it it's would a crime. Be... You should. Yeah, it, yeah it, it. don't know what's wrong with you, but I would say, like, I hope that it's, do you know, is it like close to the release date? Like, are they going to be able to keep the hype train going where you go see John Wick 4 and then you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then they're like, okay, and the premiere of the Continentals next week. Uh, they did not say, but uh, it sounds like they're not being too committal to it. So I'm not entirely sure, but I imagine they will probably space it out a bit to keep the, you know, hype going once it dies down a little bit to kind of boost back up again. Have they announced uh, who's going to be in it? Uh, let me check, because I think more details about it come out. Let me see real I think here. they got What's-His-Face from Fringe, um, who's, who's obviously in the John Wick movies, the, um, the concierge. I believe he's in there. I don't remember his name. Yeah, no, I can see his face pretty clearly. I just can't remember. I, I'm with you. I just can't remember his name. Is his first name Lance? I think so. Lance Reddick, maybe? Yes. Yes, that sounds right. Him. I think he's in the series. Yeah, I'm not seeing any, uh, at least on IMDb, I'm not seeing any listed actor names yet, but they do have some of the uh, producers and, and writers available. Okay. Now, so, I, so, yeah, we'll I'm, keep an eye on it. Yeah, it's, it's one of the many kind of like uh, like minor blip shows that are out there that I think they're just trying to build on some interesting uh, kind of story crafting they've done in the, the John Wickiverse, if you will. Yeah, and I'm actually more stoked that there's going to be a fourth movie because I kind of figured it was just going to be done after three. But, uh, like, yeah, it's it's exciting. Is it – because you guys have seen three, I assume. So it's like – no spoilers, of course, but does it, like, make sense that there's going to be another one? Do you yeah. think this is going to drag on too long or – because you know how it is. You do too many sequels, it gets kind of stale. It it definitely makes sense that there is that there is a fourth one. Okay, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I got to – Mark out some time to go check it out, but uh, I have been meaning to get around to see that. 
I'm pretty sure it's coming out on disc in like the next couple weeks. Who buys things on disc? I'll probably actually just rent it on on Amazon Video or something like that. We usually, I think that's how we watched actually the first two ones. I don't think we saw either of them in theaters. That's a crime. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's move along to some more some more recent news. So Zell, you brought this to uh, our attention, and uh, I know that. You and I actually have a pretty similar opinion to the whole Epic Game Store thing, but uh, this this news article was uh, a bit spicier than the, the usual fare. So do you want to tell us about what happened with the, the, the Ooblets uh, Epic Game Store announcement? Yeah, so um, this is like a, this is actually probably like one of the most indie of indie titles that, that Epic has now, because it's like literally two people that are developing Ooblets, and I guess they've been funded for a long time over um patreon and stuff like that that they've been putting this game together and uh so what they did was they wrote this you know cutesy looking post it's a cutesy looking game ooblets is like a a game with like a farming game with like cute animated vegetable characters um and stuff and so they announced that they're they're accepting the uh, exclusivity agreement to launch with Epic and that, um, you know, they wrote this post about, you know, what that means for everybody, which includes the fact that basically uh, Epic is paying for, like, the cost projection of how much they might sell in the game, just up front. So that gives them the opportunity to build out all the things they want to build out for the game and not just stop short. It guarantees that they're going to get the amount of money they hoped rather than, you know, just banking on the, that, you know, it's popular and doesn't get buried under all the other hundreds of thousands of steam titles. Um, and, and they wrote this in this cutesy format, such as um, under uh, what it means for you. It says you'll have to install EGS if you want to buy Ooblets on PC. I know that's asking a lot, but I believe in you and your ability to download a free thing and create a user account. Um, and uh, they, they kind of prefaced, like, one of the things you don't see from any of the previous ones is they said, we know that people get angry about this. So they wrote a entire thing about why you probably shouldn't get angry at about it um, and how there are much more important things that you could get angry about, such as human rights abuses. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an cutesy friendly tone and obviously uh the the steam fanboys were were deeply offended deeply offended and so they've actually gotten um what they've said are thousands of threatening uh posts and messages um they've actually had people photoshopping and faking messages and videos alleging that the creators have said things they haven't on their discord um and Epic has actually basically stepped in and started like started stepping in to contribute to telling people this is false, this didn't actually happen, etc. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on with this one. Um, so obviously, you know my opinion of Epic Game Store that I think I'm not, I'm not the type to get bad out of shape over the whole exclusivity thing. I think that's just part of how businesses can work is that you can pay someone extra to only release their product on your platform. And that's, that's normal. And that doesn't particularly bother me. Um, that being said, I think that there is some complication in this case because it started as a Kickstarter, which was touting it was going to be a steam release. So people supported the game 
helped pay to develop it and then they switch and put it on a different platform. Um, and obviously some people feel very strongly about this to a point where they will straight up not buy the game because they don't want to buy it on the Epic Game Store for either, <clears throat> you know, as moral reasons, but just, just um, you know, just that they don't, they don't want to support it in any way whatsoever because they disagree with this exclusivity thing. So that's, that is some awkwardness there with uh, them originally saying it's going to be on Steam and then having it not be on Steam. Uh, I would say the tone of the post was fine. I, I, I wouldn't call it cutesy. I would say it was pretty, pretty sarcastic and, and, and kind of spicy. You know, he was trying to be kind of a, a little bit of a dick about it, but it's, it's a bit of a shit post. I think that's that's fine. You know, um, if you're gonna, you know, as they say, do the thing, which is the headline of, of the article, um, you know, at least be upfront about it. So the tone didn't bother me so much. Um, I found it very informative. I liked how they broke down exactly why they did it and how. You know, like you said, there's like a minimum uh, sell agreement that they've 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 gotten from Epic. So like they know that they will get the money for at least X number of of sales, regardless if they sell or not that many copies. That's that's a really big benefit, I think, to an indie developer because there's a lot of uncertainty. Because I have never heard of this game, not once until this. Um, so being able to know that I'm going to have this guaranteed this amount of money in my bank account right now is huge for someone who is you know probably running dry on funds because kickstarters are usually pretty uh you know it's it's a pretty tight budget um that's that's a big benefit i don't really fault someone for wanting to make sure that they can you know continue to pay their employees or in this case you know continue their livelihood as a couple um eat to eating is nice people like nice um so i i totally get it and i found it really interesting that it was very informative that they broke down exactly what happens and why it's important for them in particular and why this is a benefit. Um, Cause usually you hear about these exclusivity deals and people don't really talk about what was included in the deal. Um, and I thought it was kind of cool to see this is what is included in this and this is why it was appealing to us and this is why we did it. And I, and I, I give them props for being very forthcoming with that and be like, Hey, you know, I know you're not going to like it, but here it is, you know, sorry. Um, and so the post didn't bother me so much. Um, I think that the part that gets pretty pretty iffy is that they did go on Discord to answer some questions, and, and I kind of was kind of flipping through some of the messages, and, and there was a lot of players that were asking very politely, you know, just for some, some basic questions, and it wasn't rude or anything like that. And I imagine that the backlash to the developers kind of got them emotionally charged because some of the answers and the way they were responding I wouldn't say it was appropriate to, to talk to your customer like that. Um, it was. I mean, those it, some of those are the things that were faked. True, there are some that were absolutely faked, and there were some ridiculous ones in there that were not even remotely true. But there were some that I was kind of like, eh, you probably shouldn't talk to people like that. But it, it certainly made the situation way worse. So, um, on one side, don't make up fake shit to make someone look bad. On the other side, if you're pissed, don't jump on Discord and start interacting with the people who are pissed at you. Um, it doesn't end well. So uh, that was kind of my take on it. Like, so the original post didn't bother me so much. I thought it was, it was amusingly sarcastic and, and, and kind of, you know, you know, you know, it's, it's like a shit post, right? Um, but what came after was, was probably not appropriate. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but I mean, it's, I'm curious what you guys think of this sort of thing, you know, the exclusivity deal and, and how this was handled, that sort of thing. Um, it's, I, I will say this, you know, I, I, I monitored this, mostly because it's stuff that we talk about, but I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I, I do like the idea that there is a 
could, you know, what looks be a real viable competitor to Steam. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I deplore the fact that there's yet again another launcher that you may have to get if you want a game. Uh, but overall, you, you know, I'm kind of torn. So exclusivity, if, if you think about it from a gamer standpoint, it's not that helpful, right? Like you, like, hey, I just want the place where I can go and do whatever game I want or buy from wherever and just come do my thing. The flip side, though, is if you are a, a venue that sells games or, is, or hosts them in some way, you have to have something that really makes it attractive for people to come to your store uh, and, or buy your console, for that matter. So from that aspect, having some marquee things that your, your platform or your store is known for, or that you are the only one that carries it, or you have certain advantages... I, like I, I have a hard time faulting that practice, so to speak. Um, you, you know, I, I would I would offer that Xbox would not be Xbox if not, if you did not have Halo. Um, that's probably the most, in my mind that's like the most marquee uh, exclusive deal that you could probably come up with, at least you know in my you know, in my memory. And, and I'm sure there's a few other ones floating out there. Like I don't think you're ever. I mean, is there any Mario games on? Like Mark, like flagship Mario games on anything not named a Nintendo product. Um, there were some side games, but nothing like you know what you would consider mainline Mario games. Yeah, not, not like yeah, the I core, mean, the they've got stuff. a mobile game. They've got um, you know, I, I I remember back in the day, Mario teaches typing. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, generally speaking, yeah, they're they're pretty. Oh, oh, and um, I actually have some games here. Uh, we have some Zelda titles for a Philips CDI. So <laughs> Nintendo doesn't believe they exist, but they do, and and we have them here. So, but generally speaking, yeah, that's that's Nintendo exclusive. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, my general thought on that is that I I appreciate why people can get aggravated with an exclusivity deal, but I also don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. I think there's there's some advantages to it. It, it does allow you to sell your platform, your console, your story, or whatever. And often that means that you, you know, if it's truly something that's exclusive and it's marquee, people are going to put, you know, a certain amount of effort and time into it to make sure that it's not a bad product either. Uh, so I, I'd say overall, that, that's kind of my general thought on it. In terms of this specific one, I haven't seen the, uh, like the, was it Discord or Reddit? Which one was it? It's whichever one. It was Discord. Yeah, I, I haven't seen those posts, but I did hear a little bit about this, obviously, when we were prepping for the show. Um, I think if you're an indie house, you live and die solely by your customer relations, like utterly. If you if you ever lose sight of that, you're, you're about to not be an indie game developer real quick, I think. So you have to watch that. Now, that being said, I think Pokey probably hit the nail on the head. They're, they're in a very, uh, you know, probably emotionally charged or fragile activity at that moment. So knowing when you should engage your people or not, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. I think you also sometimes, I mean, this is probably one of those sort of uh, things that you hope community managers, managers do that are involved in, in game development studios, but often sometimes get caught up in the fray. You need somebody who is not... Um, as close to the game as you are, if you're the person who's putting your blood, sweat, tears, and probably pocket money and, and family time and everything else in it, you need somebody who's a little bit more removed from it sometimes to help you manage your communications. Um, but overall, I hope it works out for everybody. I, I really do. 
I'm with you, Pokey. I didn't know who these guys were from Adam until the story came out. Yeah, exactly. One thing I do want to point out is that they have said that, um, and and I suspect this is true based on just what I've seen from previous you know titles that have announced Epic exclusivity, is it's very likely that a significant percentage, if not the vast majority of the people complaining, were not people who are fans of the game are going to buy it, and are people that are jumping on the let's hate on Epic bandwagon. Um, so. I mean, in one side, there like if you go on Twitter and you look at responses to, um, you know, their post on Twitter, there are plenty of like I won't touch anything epic, you know, type tweets, and then there are a lot of tweets from people who have followed their game for a long time, who are like, we understand what you have to do, or you know, congratulations, I hope you know, I hope this works out well for you, and so there's that. I I think that there's probably the negative impact on them is probably less than it's been made to sound like um and then the other thing that i would point out is none of us have heard of this game and now we have and it's true and so i suspect that they probably offended less of their actual fans than people think and that they will probably gain more fans because people have now heard of who they are i think they're going to do just fine yeah, I'd be actually really curious to see, because, I mean, obviously there's some larger titles that are coming out as Epic Game Store exclusives, and, you know, you, you see people, the loud ones are the ones that you obviously hear the most, like, oh, I'm not going to buy this game now, and I've canceled my pre-order, whatever. I'd be really curious to see what the actual sales numbers are, and if they really did see a noticeable drop in predicted sales, or if it didn't change that much, and we're just hearing about people that are, are upset about this. Um, I'd, be, I'd really love to see the metrics on that. I think it'd be interesting. Hey, all right, so I'm going to ask a question that I'm fairly confident that I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who in this podcast, other than Jay, remembers a guy named Brian Bosworth? Uh, not me. Nope. Negative. Okay. All right, so Brian Bosworth was a football player, which I know none of you understand what that is, really. But... Now I know why I don't know who this is. I thought you were talking about some game developer sent me like, oh, it's a football Trust player. I'm like, oh. Here. So Brian Bosworth. Uh, back in the late 80s, mid-late 80s, he was a very famous college football player, had this uh, sort of mohawk-like haircut, like big blonde guy. He's been in a lot of B-action movies you know, since he retired from the NFL. He was coming up at about the same time Bo Jackson was. He was a linebacker for Oklahoma. Um, very flamboyant character, right? Uh, he, 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 if you ever just look up pictures of him, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And he was referred to as the Boz. And you get the Boz haircut or the Boz cut, which was, again, this sort of pseudo uh, mullet slash mohawk thing going on. Long story short, when he started, he got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. And and there was a cottage industry of whether you hated the Boz or liked the Boz for a couple of years. He didn't play very long. But um, basically, he went to, I, I can't remember, I want to say it might have been the Redskins. They went to a Went to a game and there's like hundreds of people all over the stadium in these Boz Sucks t-shirts, right? And uh, unbeknownst to many people, his actual agent had those shirts printed up and sold them at the stadiums he was playing at so that Boz would get a cut of the t-shirts that said Boz Sucks. So the theory that bad press is good press has been around for a long time, and it, and I... It, I don't necessarily prescribe this to Epic or anybody else involved or this or the unnamed uh, indie developer, but 
it'd be pretty genius if you started some shit on the interwebs because you know you can start shit on the interwebs purely as a marketing strategy if nobody if you know that nobody's ever heard of you so just throwing that out there that's it's actually a very real possibility i like it all right so let's move along to uh another exclusivity deal uh for a thing that no one has ever heard of so you've all heard of, of ninja most likely guy plays on twitch plays fortnite drinks a lot of red bull kind of hyperactive cool he was like on a like ESPN cover, I think, for, for esports or whatever. Fine. So he has signed an exclusivity agreement with Mixer, which is apparently not a dating website. It is, in fact, a competitor to Twitch that no one has ever heard about. And uh, he is leaving Twitch and is signed exclusively with this Microsoft-owned Mixer. As a, as a Windows mobile user, I've heard of Mixer. I don't use it, but well, I've You, you would it. have heard of it, but it, normal humans have never heard of this. Ever. Right, right. So, yes. Uh, for the record, I, I have heard of Mixer, uh, and I did check it out, and it is absolutely as you described. It is a competitor, competitor to Twitch that nobody, to include Twitch, recognizes. Yeah, so this has been a, a bit of an amusing shit show, um, and it kind of piggybacks off what we were just talking about. So, like, Ninja was a huge moneymaker for, for Twitch. So the guy brings in, like, 50 grand a month, like, just incredible amount of revenue. So you know that Twitch is obviously making a lot of bank off this guy. So he pretty much just came out out of the blue and was like, yep, I'm immediately moving over to Mixer and uh, I'm not going to be streaming on Twitch anymore. And Twitch, like, I think they pretty much blocked his entire page. If you go to Ninja's like page now, it uh, it says this, this Ninja is in another castle, but look at these other great uh, streamers. So they aren't too happy about this. Um, and the initial backlash, of course, was, oh, Ninja's a sellout. He's going to lose all his subscribers. It's going to be horrible for him. I hope he fails. Um, and I th think he has like 100,000 subscribers already on Mixer. Like people pretty much just bounced over to this new platform. I think I think and, he hit half a million already. Oh, geez. I'm like, this is earlier today, so who the hell knows? Um, yeah, so he's obviously not having any trouble at all. And... Uh, it's an interesting parallel to, to Epic because in this case, it's obviously people don't seem to really be that loyal specifically to Twitch. They're definitely sticking with the person that is producing the actual content and, and moving over and not having any issue with it whatsoever. I think he did a live stream at I think like a Red Bull event or something like that day um, as part of the announcement and he had tons of people um, logging in to watch him. So I don't think he even really missed a beat. He might take a take a small hit in viewership initially but you know if you're considering how much microsoft probably paid him to get him over there to, to promote this the service that most people have not heard about uh, he's probably coming out ahead in the long run i think mixer has an incredible custom banner just for for ninja like plastered across the whole page it's amazing uh now correct me if i'm Zell, you might be able to notice but i like when i've heard of mixer um I don't believe it was owned by Microsoft when I first heard of it. This is not an in-house thing, right? They uh, yeah, they bought it. It used to be called Beam. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they called it Mixer. Um, and by the way, I was incorrect about the uh, five uh, five hundred thousand followers. That was earlier today. He's at seven hundred thousand followers right now. Jesus. Um. So bear in mind, like you know, that's not like concurrent views. That's like all-time followers and his twitch count was 14 million it's been like what uh, two days and he's he's at you know the 0. 0.7 million already so he, he, he i mean he's probably brought like 
twenty-fold the number of total people who have ever been to Mixer. <laughs> well, if you're trying to start a new football league, you best go find you know like Tom Brady to come play for you. Otherwise, you're gonna have a real hard time. See, I threw that sports ball out there just for you, Zell. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I now, I wouldn't know what to do without it. I, no, no. I mean, but but there's it's kind of one of those where if you want to compete with somebody, like if you want to compete in a market, you know, call it you know, Twitch or whatever. If you ain't, if you don't, have, if you're not bringing in eyeballs, you get you got to do you got to do something. I'm like, I'm not sure. I mean, Twitch is interesting in that it is very specifically targeted at. Um, you know, a, like a, kind of a specific sort of demographic uh, or kind of functional area in terms of gaming. They don't have a lot of other venues that you can that you live stream like that on. Um, that's as ubiquitous as Twitch anyway. I'm, I I assume they just threw buckets of cash at this at, at this guy to to make this attractive. Um, but at, you never know. I mean, I think if they if they're trying to pull an epic, if it, what I would be more interested in is if they poached like seven or eight of the top twenty uh, Twitch Twitch folks that are out there that are pulling in like you know big live stream numbers. If they were doing that, like trying to pull an epic game store move, this this makes sense. But if you go after Nin, Ninja, who by all accounts is probably the number one internet content guy out there in the world, I think generally. Um, that's fine, but if it's just him, that's that's probably not sustainable either. Uh, I mean, what's interesting, though, is if you think about it, if the number one guy is over on this platform and nobody else is on that platform, if you're guy number two, three, four, or five, your best bet is to jump over to that platform really quick. If you like if you're if you're looking to move move up, get more people paying attention to you, following the top guy over. You've now become the second top guy on Mixer, you know. Yeah, I mean, that makes um, sense. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, I think, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say I, I could kind of war game that in a couple different ways. Like if you went over, like you if you had any kind of following at all, and you went over, and then you got like some kind of push by Mixer, and maybe they're like, "Hey, Ninja, like mention this guy on your stream two, three times," you know, that might help you. But the the flip side is suddenly. There's a lot of fucking room at the top in Twitch. You know what I mean? And, and if you are actually competitive to, to get those kind of eyeballs coming over, because he's, I mean, Ninja's going to, he's going to lose some people. So if you go with like, he had 14 million, like in Twitch, he'll lose a couple million probably just because people are like, fucking ain't downloading Mixer. Um, I, I, I think that's, you know, that would be a fair assessment. Um, but I, overall, I, I'm interested to see what they do with this. It's like, okay, you went out and, and got uh, a big name guy, but are you backing that up with anything? Like you actually need, they need to put together a bigger pool of people uh, that, you know, if they pulled in Ninja and like, you know, Dr. Disrespect and, you know, like Swatch or other guys like that, like that's one thing, you, you know, if they, like I said, if they went out and headhunted some, you know, a group. Um, but if they haven't done that, I'm just, I'm just not sure how it's going to play out. Although I, like I said, Pogi, I, I think Ninja's going to be fine no matter what. It just kind of makes me wonder what their end game is. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of looking through it right now, and, and so I'm looking at top streams. So it's the it's rate, rated by how many people are watching. So Ninja's obviously top of the, the thing. He's at 21,000 people watching right now. The second stream is Monster Cat Radio. They it's a music music station at 4,000. 
So it's at a fifth, the number two stream is at a fifth of what people are watching for Hit the Sky. So, I mean, that's, that's not that much. Number three is only 1,600 people watching. Um, so you need more than just one person, I think, to kind of fill, fill those streams up and have an, enough people that you can pull people in. And, you know, uh, to Zell's point, you know, it, if you look at that, you go, okay, Ninja's top place. Number two is a, a music radio station. If, if I'm fairly large, I could probably jump in and snag that number two spot pretty easily. You know, Right, like, like t- Twitch number two just became Twitch number one, but there's a lot of room for someone who's further down the ranks in in um in Twitch to to be number two in, in Mixer, kind of leapfrog a couple spots. Yeah. So, but but to, but also to to Jay's point, you you do need to have more than one dude propping up the entire service. But you know, this is obviously a big thing. If you're going to try to get people's attention, you grab the top guy first. You know, um, and in for Ninja, it could be that hey, maybe his viewership is starting to go down a little bit. Maybe he needs a little notoriety, you know, a little, a little attention. Well, just jump platforms, you know, snag a sweet deal with uh, got Microsoft. Some, got a bunch of news articles everywhere. And, yeah. and uh, you know, sure, he probably upset a few people who are, who are big fans of uh, Twitch, and uh, he will console his tears with his probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of extra dollars he's sitting on. That he's gonna, you know, bathe in or something. <laughs> well, and, and you also have to look at what's going on with Twitch as a service as well. You know, there's they've been having some issues lately. You know, some some moderation issues and then how they want to moderate their service and how they want to, you know, run their business. So, if people are kind of feeling uncomfortable with what Twitch is doing and a couple of their big favorite streamers are going over to a new platform, they go, oh yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. Why not? So I think that this could be, you know perhaps a, a very tactical choice and timing for Microsoft to kind of kind of do this. And, you know, Ninja could also stand to benefit quite a bit as well, just from the, the, the publicity of this happening. And I think it's always a little fun to just point out is like when we're talking about Mixer and Twitch and, you know, the, the competitor is, um, you know, and I, I think they've kind of given up to some degree, but, uh, you know, for a while, YouTube was hoping to get in on the game streaming thing. These are like literally the three biggest companies on the planet fighting over like some guy playing Fortnite in his basement. It's kind of it, it, like when you it's think crazy, about it that right? way, it, it's it's just it's a little strange um, because, yeah, these are these are, you know, trillion dollar level companies and and they're they're paying for some guy to play Fortnite on their channel. <laughs> well, and I've said before, you know, if you told me 10 years ago that, you know, some of the guys going to make millions of dollars a year playing video games online, I'd be like, you're so full of shit. No way. Um, but this landscape has evolved rather quickly. And so it is, it's crazy. And I think that it's, it's evolving so quickly that everyone's trying to jump in and get their piece of the pie. And it's, you, you see stuff like this, you see stuff like Epic Games, you know, it's kind of like they'll do whatever it takes to try to make a good shot at this. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch at the very least, you know, I, I don't get too worked up over it, but I think it's, it's fascinating to see the different tactics that they're using to, to kind of, you know, retch away some of the market share from some of these longer standing, you know, uh, companies like Twitch and uh, steam. All right. So let's move along here. Uh, to something it's not about exclusive deals but I, I don't know too much about this this controversy i think that libby actually brought it to our attention and jay said you you had looked at it as well 
So I guess in the most recent Call of Duty game, there is an item or a weapon um, that's white phosphorus, which is a, a real world weapon from my understanding. Um, do you want to talk about what this, what's going on with this and in how that relates to, to real life violence and, and the use of this weapon in, in you know, actual wartime? Um, sure. So long story short, there in, uh, in the new Call of Duty game, uh, which is uh, a lot of people are touting is you know this hyper realistic very gritty uh, sort of environment of combat uh, or and, and it tends Jay's like they're touting it. I'm sorry. They uh, so so they also they they go to some lengths to to try to show these uh, these very morally ambiguous activities that go on in uh, in conflict. Um, now that that just quick stage setter. And Call of Duty in, in these uh, venues, particularly in their campaigns, have been known for sort of pushing the envelope on some of these type of things. There was a couple very infamous sort of, uh, you know, levels or scenes that you, you'd play through or go through in, in previous Call of Duties that, that called into a, a lot of things into question reportedly. And, now, and, and there's part of me that says, again, they put these things in here uh, to create some level of interest or hype in some ways. Uh, at least that's my opinion. So that that's just a bit of a grand stage setter. So white phosphorus is, is actually a, an, a real chemical compound that is actually really, really used. Uh, and it has two basic purposes. And this, this has been around for a very long time. This is like not new shit, by the way. Um, predominantly, it's used to create a white smoke, like literally white sort of burning smoke the smoke itself doesn't burn but it, it's what phosphorus like that that element that metal when it's exposed to oxygen it burns very 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 brightly so it's um and it creates a dense white smoke and you've actually seen white phosphorus go off in numerous movies uh like that creates like an explosion effect or a you know like a smoke effect it, it is a very very common usage right now what people don't like about it is that those burning flakes of metal are, they're burning hot enough to like, you know, eat through most things, like most other metal. Um, and you use it often to, uh, to, to, to destroy like material, so to speak. Um, so in theory, you don't want to use it, or, and it's, it is somewhat, I'm not gonna say illegal, but it is, there are some prohibitions on its usage if it's being used in an anti-personnel role. That's actually a legitimate sort of um, kind of Marcus of Queensberry rules, so to speak, for, for usage of military applications. Um, that being said, I think that I, I would go out on a limb and say that 99.997% of the folks that are interested in this topic about this video game that are beefing about it have absolutely no idea uh, what they're talking about. Like in terms of, is this too real? Is this illegal? X, Y, and Z. The vast majority of things you do in any video game, illegal. Vast majority. Uh, <laughs> right. the, the overwhelming, saturated majority of things that you do in a video game are fantastical, no matter how quote unquote gritty and real you think they are. Um, you know, so to that end, I, when I see things like this, it makes me chuckle a little bit. Now, I'm going to be very upfront and just, you know, kind of, kind of talk a little bit in a more mature fashion here. The, 
you know, there, there are some current events going on as of the date of this podcast uh, in terms of you know, violence in different parts of the country, you know, like some very significant gun violence activities that have occurred. Um, and, and again, America is not, is not initially new to America, but uh, periodically you will have the, you know, all these people play video games and that's part of the reasons, reason that they um, wanted to take part in this, these kind of activities. Um, that's a little bit of the tinge of the article that, hey, this is illegal and hey, there's a lot of bad things that happen in video games uh, and does this sort of uh, facilitate that type of behavior. I'm going to be, again, be extraordinarily clear. The vast, overwhelming majority of people that are talking about that have no idea what they're talking about. Like they've never legitimately seen, experienced, nor offered violence to another human being in, in a meaningful way. Um, so I, I just wanted to make that very clear. Now, I, I do not believe that there's, I, I don't think, I have not seen anything that's compelling to me that says video games create violent activities in other people. I do think that behavior generally and what you have your interest in will color how you view the world. But I also think you should have engaged parents and peers. So for example, I have a 10 year old boy, a lot of high energy. He enjoys playing video games. I like him to play video games. In fact, I help choose the video games that he plays based on the type of things that I want him exposed to. And I monitor the video games that he plays you know, to include the, the, the few mobile games that I allow him to have. I also, ha you know, take great care in how he plays with other kids and, uh, and how he interacts with things. I am not a huge fan of toy guns at all, like, uh, which is kind of surprising because of, you know, people that, that know me, I am a, I've been around firearms my entire life, personally and professionally. I have that they are a large part of my professional life. Uh, I've trained many people, I was a certified instructor on a lot of, a lot of different things uh, and in a lot of different areas. Uh, you know, the application of violence has been a staple of my life for 20 plus years, uh, you know, formally for the government, you know, the people that have a monopoly on that application. Um, that being said, I also don't let him play with those kind of toys. But I will play Destiny with him, and we shoot a lot of aliens in the face. I will, you know, like when I when there are video games where they have human beings involved in the violence, I very much pick and choose how how he's exposed to that. So no, I don't think there's a problem with it. But there will be people that reach to that. Uh, you know, I saw this a little bit. Like I said, there was there was a tinge of it in the article that talked about the white phosphorus, and again, it's brewing up a bit with you know the recent spat of gun violence. I you know spat is strong, not even the right word. The you know, the rash of gun violence activities and you know fairly significant ones. So number one, don't get too worried about it because if you really want to go pound for pound with shit you do that's illegal in video games, oh let me count the ways. Um, and that's just kind of how it works. Um, if if you have a real concern with violence and, and illegality in video games, I would reference to you to this thing called Grand Theft Auto. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. So most people, I think they just need to kind of like ration out and think through what are they talking about. Now, I will say this, though, reference Call of, Call of Duty specifically in this iteration of it, Modern Warfare, this current gen one that's coming out right now. There, there are reportedly quite a few areas that are touching on some uncomfortable activities or behaviors in the game. And, and, and I do believe that 
probably the the developers kind of went over the top in it, at least from what I'm, I've read. Things are not nearly as morally diverse as you might think uh, in most combat scenarios. Um, they, they just, it doesn't work that way. You are faced with difficult choices uh, and there's a lot of tough things that happen, but I, I can tell you from both personal experience and then, you know, just general professional experience, um, you know, the, many of the type of choices that you, that, that they will, or the scenarios they will put you in again in these video games, which are again, are video games are not really you know, remotely tied into uh, the overall experience that you're going to go through. Are there horrible things that you experience in combat? Absolutely. Uh, like the highest of, of highs I've ever had and the lowest of lows have all happened in that vein, in that, in that specific venue. Um, but it's also not the, uh, it, it is also not what you see depicted in a video game. So do, I just hope people can kind of separate the reality from, you know, from the fiction, so to speak. So I guess that's my, that's my monologue on that whole scenario. And I will stand by for comment or questions. It's a tough one to follow, man. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I can't speak to any of the real life experiences you can, so I won't even try. Um, but, you know, it, it is <laughs> it is uh, interesting that you see this level of outrage, and it's usually by people who really have no clue what they're talking about, which is why I usually take the stance of like, well, I don't know anything about that, so I'll, I'll look around, but I'm, I'm not going to get upset over something that I, I can't really you know, honestly say I understand anything about, which is, you know, in this case, I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't know what's going on. And it's helpful to have, you know, people like you with an actual experience in it to, to describe what is actually the deal with all of this and, and what it really means. And is it even remotely, you know, it, it makes sense to be upset by it. So I, I do appreciate it. And I think it's, it's really good insight for this sort of thing. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's, um, it's just one of those things where I see things like this and I'm just like, you know, come on, man. Uh, there, there's, like I said, there's a lot of things like that, that we, uh, that we probably overlook in video games. It's just sort of like what you choose to be, um, not so much offended, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to use the term offended or trigger is it's what, what, what you allow to disturb you is, is interesting to me, particularly in terms of video games, because it's, it's, like I said, you know, in Destiny, you shoot a lot of aliens and robots in the face, right? And, and there, there's even a joke by one of the characters in in, uh, in Destiny, Failsafe, this AI that you deal with, uh, where she sends you out to go kill these other robots. And he's like, hey, it's not murder if it's robots, right? Uh, and it's, it's I get it. Uh, I think because uh, we're getting to a period where uh, the graphics, like the visual depictions of combat can be incredibly vivid in some of these games that maybe it might be flicking some switches for a few people that maybe there's more to this than just, um, you know, shooting robots in the face, so to speak. There could be really like, you know, may, maybe in a good way, it's having people think, think through some things. Um, but you can also carry that too far really, 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 really quick. Um, and the choice is odd too, I think, because, you know, there, I, I, I think this came up because of the discussion that, um, you know, it, it can have an impact on like something I read said that, um, you know, white phosphorus that doesn't initially ignite can later have an issue for like a civilian population that's there or something like that. And, and I'm like, 
how many Call of Duty titles have we done with, you know, played multiplayer in that had, you know, mines and, and claymores and, and stuff like that, where you, you know, plant an explosive and hope that some, you know, the right person, you know, the target is, is who crosses it. And, and those are, those are weapons that, you know, have had horrific real life, you know, implications in the past. And, and, so it's weird that it's it's this particular one, and I think you're very right that it it it's very much about the timing. I'd agree. I mean, when I first saw the article, I think I was just more I don't want to say taken back, but kind of like this 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 is this is the limit for you. Like there's drone strikes and like you said grenades and all that stuff, and it's like oh no, but the white phosphorus. I, I don't know. I don't know what stuck out to to people to actually you know. Well, and and, and the person in the article brought up an interesting thing, and Jay touched on it as well, is that the the level of realism in games is getting extremely high. Um, and I, I kind of turn it the other way where you see a lot of young kids who get like absolutely obsessed with Fortnite, you know, like to a, an unhealthy extent. Um, and the parents are like, well, I don't know how to get them to stop. I'm like, wait, just take the damn game away. Like you're the parent, you know? Um, and they're like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I think that, you know, if, in that case, you know, parents think, oh, Fortnite, it's like cartoons. It's whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, but you're doing all the same stuff in there. There's like bombs and grenades and, and landmines and guns. You know, it, it's nothing that's different than this Call of Duty game. But that difference in realism, it suddenly makes people go, oh, well, this isn't okay. If it doesn't look like a Disney cartoon, then it's, it's not okay, you know. Um, and, and, and all, I just, all violence in Fortnite is good. Because yeah, but, but it's true though. I mean, it's like the kind of stuff you see there is really no different. I mean, do you ever look back at like a Tom and Jerry cartoon and go like, oh my god, this is actually really horrible? But it's cartoons; no one really questioned it. But when it's suddenly very realistic, then it's like, oh, I, I don't feel comfortable with this violence, even though it's the same stuff I've been seeing for the last twenty years in video games. Suddenly, it's it's too much. Um, it's just really interesting to see how people's perspectives will change depending on the game, even though the content is effectively the same. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good. I think that's a very good point. I, I now there, I do think there is something going, you know, generally going on in terms of. Um, at some point, it'll be interesting to see how this works. So, if you fast forward, like let's say five years in the future, the 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 capability to display things visually that are extremely realistic like extremely realistic is certainly within grasp uh if you look at like how deep fake deep fake technology has changed over the last few years it went from like wow that's horrible uncanny valley shit going on to wow that's uh that's kind of scary <laughs> you know um and that stuff that kind of stuff's only going to get better and then when you apply it to just like the general uh progression in terms of like you know what is possible in a game environment you could come up with some really, really, really uh, realistic activities going on. And then you start messing around with like some VR stuff. Um, it's, you know, there, there could be a very interesting discussion at some point about like, Hey, what's, what's too real or what's too much. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a fair conversation to have now that we're you're getting to the point where uh, from a technology standpoint, those are real concerns. I think previously they they probably weren't. Uh, although you know, I'm, I'm sure there were some futurists out there kind of calling it early. Uh, I think the technology is now much more tangible to people in terms of what's what's possible. And I'm gonna be upfront with you. You know, I don't. Um, I, I would not play like 
I'm not a fan of Call of Duty anyway, but if if you were going to put me in a VR headset glass, you know, thing so that I could like, you know, experience that game as it as I've seen the Call of Duty franchise unfold, I I would not do that. Uh, I, I would have no interest in that whatsoever from a personal standpoint. Um, now, interestingly enough, the the military does use this this type of technology to train people, like legitimately. And in fact, there there's some things going on right now. That you probably find it in the news if you really want to. And in fact, they are partnering with very very large companies that we all know, Microsoft, to do some work in this space. Um, it's but that's a training tool and it's very much treated that way. And it's, uh, it's very clean and clear on how it's utilized when we, when we use these kind of techniques. Um, and they're also not remotely the type of scenarios that you get put into in call of duty, which again are these, I, I think almost over like these hyper stylized sort of, uh, deeply ambiguous activities, um, you know, from a moral standpoint. The majority of things that you're faced with are not necessarily moral activities that, you know, in terms of how they're depicted in the game, but it's literally, you are trying your damnedest to sort through what and understand what you're seeing in front of you in order to make uh, very, very fast decisions uh, that protect you, civilians, and and do a variety of different things for yourself. Uh, But they're not often truly like these morally difficult activities that you have to you have to run into um that being said you will run into some of those or you're going to be forced with bad decisions but i just i can't see a scenario where i would be interested in experiencing that in a game format which is uniquely different than a training scenario format to be honest with you they're very very different in fact i've used games for training routinely over the course of several years or what you would consider games you just call it you know, virtual training or simulation training, but it's very, very different than playing a game, like extremely different. Um, it's literally just a tool that you use. Um, and in fact, you, you don't approach the event like you're playing a game. Like you go to great lengths to not do that. In fact. Um, so I, I, like I said, it's an interesting sort of uh, paradigm, probably some good papers at some point written out there. The other thing to think about just generally is that the saturation of video games across whatever demographic you want to look at is incredible. So thinking that, hey, you're going to do something to curb video games, good luck with that. Um, And in fact, I would offer there's things far worse out there, far worse uh, that you can see, you can find in your local GameStop than anything that this Call of Duty iteration is going to put out. Uh, So again, just kind of general thoughts on it. I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, like I said, it's much appreciated your perspective, and I think it's a it's a pretty good pretty good conversation point. Uh, so the only thing else I had left for the show is if, if you think it's going to take too long, that's fine. But um, I was going to ask you what's going on with Destiny Two in the season of Opulence, uh, not season of Opulence, the uh, Solstice of Heroes, and then convince me to come back and, and run it with you. <laughs> Um, okay, I can do that very, very quickly. So okay. last year you had Solstice of Heroes, which is basically a culmination activity for the year. And uh, they introduced this kind of neat armor mechanic last time where you got this, like, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, burned out set of armor that you get that you had on when you very, very, very first started the game. Um, you know, tattered, burned, you know, all kind of damage to it. 
that over a course of grinding events, you, you level it up and you empower it and, and, and you ultimately, uh, you know, bring it up to like a purple, you know, you start with green gear and turn it blue and then you make it like purple gear. And it's a very, very elaborate, like really, really nicely done, beautiful set of, you know, uh, armor that you get in game for your character. You get all these different kind of chromas and glows to it and stuff like that. Um, that's, they're basically in that mode again. However, this is uniquely different in that uh, there is a massive change to Destiny coming up in about a month and a half with Shadowkeep, which we could probably we probably need to save to a subsequent show and really kind of talk through that. It, it is a absolutely massive change. I mean, Destiny's going to free to play, big expansion coming out, and they're revamping a lot of the systems in the game from ground up to include their armor system. They're calling it Armor 2.0, and it's they're definitely really leaning deep into RPG type mechanics uh, across the board in Destiny with the upcoming expansion and in, in their future directions. So Armor 2.0, uh, there's a whole swath of changes that I don't, really don't want to get into right now, but suffice it to say, it will absolutely change how you use armor, collect armor uh, from the cosmetic side to the functional gameplay side. It, it's, a, it's a very holistic and deep adjustment to what's going on. Uh, the very first set of armor 2.0 you will get is going to be whatever, if you've created your legendary purple set of armor gear from the Souls of Heroes. So as soon as you, you click over into Shadow, uh, Shadow Keep, excuse me, you can go to the gunsmith, draw a set of gear out that you, basically it's a copy of what you made uh, pre-Shadow Keep. So if you've legendaried out your armor, your set of armor, you get a full set of Armor 2.0 right off the bat that is still usable. All the chromas will still work and everything like that, um, carrying forward into Shadowkeep. It's a very interesting way that they're trying to make your, your special gear relevant and keep it. And that's sort of one of the big reasons. That's one of the big sort of draws to doing it. Uh, they also have some new activities called the European Aerial Zone, which is sort of this floating island section you go through and do these set of activities on. Really, really cool area, cool environment. Uh, so that would be the big reason. And there's a, there's a lot of neat things that they're doing in terms of like a lot of callbacks to the previous things you've done in Destiny and uh, some cool events going on. Uh, Menagerie is something that's been around for a little bit while with the Season of Opulence. It basically introduces normal players into parts of the Leviathan. Uh, it's definitely a raid light experience or a, uh, a dipping a toe in the raid world. You can't fail it. It just takes you longer to do. There are some mechanics involved, uh, things like that, but it is absolutely very doable. It's very sort of strike level difficulty in a raid environment. Uh, and the rewards are really cool. And they've got a very, very neat reward system where you can sort of pick and choose what you're grinding for. So that's why I would say you should get back in, kind of get, get you back up on a little bit of destiny and then prep yourself for shadow keep. Highly recommend you check out the Vidox on shadow keep. Uh, definitely a very different tone for what you're going for in Destiny. A little bit more of a horror story kind of tone. So overall, that would be my pitch to get back in. They're going to make it super accessible to people coming in Shadowkeep because, again, it's going to go free or play, and they're making a very, very big push to have a huge influx of new Guardians coming in. No, that sounds pretty good, man. Um, I, I loaded it up, uh, downloaded the updates. I'm kind of running around the tower right now, looking around everything. And they've, they've changed quite a bit of stuff in the UI here. So it looks pretty interesting. I'll, I'll need to 
devote some some more direct attention to, to the Solstice of Heroes. But, you know, like, if it's at all like it was last year, um, it wasn't that bad. It was worth doing. So I, I might try to hammer this out and prep up for, for Shadowkeep. Because I, 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 Destiny 2 has gotten into a pretty good place. It's not something I'm going to play every day every day of the year. But um, it is kind of good to come back for, for updates and expansions because they do a pretty good job with it. So looking forward to it. It should be pretty cool. Awesome. And please don't forget that some of the things I need to masterwork my, you know, new set requires clan mates. I'm just throwing that out there. Yep, 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 yep. We'll uh, we'll, we'll talk offline and, and get a shopping list of things I have to do. All right, guys. Sounds pretty good. Anything else before we wrap this one up? Take that as a no. All right. So let's do shout outs. Zell, as always, you're up first. Why do you do this to me? Do you want me to go first and give you like 20 seconds? Yes. Okay. So my shout out goes to my brother. So uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Angry Gaming Nerd. Um, he's, he's a YouTube channel with some pretty interesting stuff talking about usually older retro games, but he does streaming. And he was doing a Mario Maker 2 stream and actually came across a level that my brother made and thought it was pretty cool. And uh, I've played the level. It's pretty badass. He he kind of did a 2D remake of the Babam Battlefield. It's the first level from Mario 64. Um, some really clever stuff that that the engine they've got in that game is actually pretty pretty neat, and my brother's pretty creative. So, uh, shout out to him for getting a little bit of uh, you know stream notoriety, and then getting people to check out his level. And I thought that was pretty cool. So, shout out to him. All right, Zell, I delayed for you. I give my shout out to um, my family. Never never mix business and family. It's terrible. I would agree. Been there, done that. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh yeah. So let's see. Shout out to the art director in Destiny. I I am literally as we speak. I am just finding different peaks I can sit in the tower and overlook the uh, sort of the skybox slash uh, worldview. It, it never ceases to amaze me for a game that's been around this long and, and you know how it's sort of set up. It's gorgeous. It looks just absolutely beautiful. Very much eager to see what this is going to look like on a PS5. Have they confirmed that like uh, PS5 support's coming, or is it just because uh, we don't have a timeline for that? But I can't imagine. No, I they, assume they will. Obviously, I cannot see a I cannot see a future in my crystal ball that doesn't have that occurring. Gotcha. All right, uh, Libby, you're up. Okay, so uh, there is one more exclusive we should talk about. Um, and that is that Build-A-Bear announced that it's going to have an online exclusive, and that's going to be the Deadpool Build-A-Bear. Oh, sweet Jesus. What? <laughs> what? Yep. Hey, Libby, so, can you say that one more time? Um, so Build-A-Bear has an online exclusive where you can get a Deadpool Build-A-Bear. Is, I'm, I'm like, so I was at a Build-A-Bear recently stop, for the stop first talking. time. Googling. Stop talking. I'm Googling. <laughs> He's already ordering it. It's so doesn't cute, it defeat though. the point to do this online? Kinda. Um, I I don't know. I I'm guessing that they're kind of like we'll we'll sponsor it and make it, but I don't know if they want they, Deadpool. They, they don't empty they don't, Deadpool right. skins hanging in a store. <laughs> right, like you're the the little kids. Like, should I get Twilight Sparkle or you know Deadpool? Right, it comes with like with a disembodied <laughs> head, you know, and yeah. He's already ordered it. It's already on the way. (laughs) I'm trying to. I'm trying to get my Apple Pay together here. Hang on. Oh my god. (laughs) I want to know. Like, do they have any Deadpool specific accessories that are going with this? 
Uh, the only one I see is, and it might just be included, is his, what are, are they katanas? His blades? His swords? But can I get one where he's just like shirt cocking with like little baby legs? Yeah, he even comes with a plush sword accessory, accessory set. You know that they're going to mention that like in the next Deadpool movie. He's going to have like a Build-A-Bear Deadpool with him. It's probably going to have knives in it at that point. I mean, we saw what he did to the unicorn plushie, so it's only natural. And you can attach the swords to his backpack or his wrist. So are we ordering one for the kid? It comes with a backpack. Okay. Afterwards, we'll, we'll get that, that cooking. All right, guys. <laughs> it talks to... I was going to ask you I that think sound effects. I want, it it are, says it mouthy. I don't know. Are, I'll have to look. Yeah. Are the dialogue lines like PG-13 or is this mm-hmm. definitely the R-rated They're online exclusive rated. That's what they are. That's the real reason they don't they don't want it in the store is the voice lines. <laughs> I don't want the little kids squeezing it going, what does that mean? And having some really awkward conversations with parents. Uh, All right, guys. That is our show. Thank you for tuning in. Um... As usual, if you want to be on the show or if you want us to cover any particular topics, head over to biomass.com and hit us up. But that being said, we'll see you next week and uh, be safe out there.